Hello and welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, here today with a very special guest, artist, activist, D&D obsessed, my dear friend and former pizza co-worker, Welcome, Adrian Diaz. Hello, pizza co-worker. I was thinking about this beforehand. It's just like, wow, it's crazy to think about like some of the worst years of my life were when I was working at a certain pizza restaurant, but yeah. still have friends from said pizza restaurant. Right. Yeah. Unnamed pizza chain. Yeah. It's so funny that I still know people from these like random jobs like that. Jobs and encounters. That's the yeah. truth. That's how you know you find the right people is still friends with them all these years. Yeah. How does that one lyric go? We found love in a hopeless place or whatever. That was a very hopeless place. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Adrienne has chosen a super fun and fabulous film for us to talk about today. But before we get into that featured film, we're going to learn a bit more about Adrienne. So I have a couple questions in that vein. Yeah. What was the first movie that you remember seeing in the movie theaters? That one is A Bug's Life. And I remember it quite vividly, not just because, you know, it was like at an age where your brain kind of turns on. I used to live with my grandparents growing up and it was my grandpa that took me to see the movie during the day. And I actually like fell down the driveway. Oh my God. Pretty bad. (laughs) Oh no. So I just have like this memory of like super hot summer day, just like forehead to gravel and then being like, I'm good. And then going to see (laughs) a classic Pixar film. (laughs) So so your first movie theater experience you remember was like with a concussion? Yeah, it's like concussion. (laughs) And it was probably like 120 degrees outside. (laughs) Jesus, dang. Well, did that color your your experience of the theater at all or? No, but maybe it colored my political opinions because that movie is pretty dang socialist. (laughs) (laughs) And the concussion also made you like, like more able to take in all that that good it surprisingly socialist. added brain cells <laughs> thanks <Nice>. grandpa <laughs> what did your what did your grandpa think of the movie do you remember I honestly don't know <laughs> I honestly don't know I don't remember I don't think it's a movie I think it was more one of those things like it's a summer day this child needs to get out of the house because I think at that point so I'm like the oldest of nine grandkids damn and the oldest of three kids I think it was before my brother was born but also like before it started to be a thing where we would all spend summers at my grandparents house Mm. to be babysat so I think it was one of those this kid needs to shut up for a good two hours so (laughs) yeah that is a useful thing about movies yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I have no idea what he thinks of that movie but now I'm curious to ask if he even like remembers (laughs) yeah did hey grandpa did it make you as socialist as it made me (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. I think he was past his moldability. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that was the first movie. What was the first movie that you saw in theaters without any parents or supervising adults? This one was hard to remember because like I said, I have a shit ton of cousins and I'm the oldest of three. So I feel like every movie we saw, I was with my parents, but Mm. I the first one that came to mind, but I don't think it's the truth, not that I'm lying, it's just that I have a shit memory, is Princess and the Frog. Oh, nice. So I remember, I think I was in high school, I think a sophomore, and we went to one of the local, we like went to get dinner and then went to the theater and then all got picked up by one parent and distributed back to our homes. <laughs> nice. So it was like a group of friends? Yeah, a quite large group of friends too. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. One of those things where you take up like the whole role? Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, I think there was, I think, about eight or nine of us. Nice. Okay, well, it's not a whole role. It was the big booth at Red Robin, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Big booth group. Yeah. Got it. Cutie. Oh, and here she is, <laughs> the other special guest. <laughs> Please welcome Pabu. <laughs> Pabu. There will be intermittent purring ASMR in this episode. Uh, Finally. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm overjoyed. This podcast needs more purring. This is your moment of zen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so soothing. Yes. 
she's um, like it's weird because she like knows where the microphone is but i don't think she knows that it's a microphone but she knows yeah. that i'm talking at the computer <laughs> so for the big booth group what are your memories of that experience of going to the movies with all the people I remember it being very significant, right? Not just like culturally because Tiana was like the first Black Disney princess, but also just like significant to me. I am mixed race. My brother and sister, they're technically my half brother and sister, but I grew up in a mixed race household. I grew up in a Black and Mexican household. So it's kind of like, oh my God, like I'm seeing me and my family like being represented at least halfway, right? (laughs) And then also I have this weird not necessarily weird obsession but like a hyper fixation really and just appreciation for like the 1920s and 30s like art nouveau and art deco as like an aesthetic are like one of my favorites so anything that has like themed around that era I absolutely love oh I didn't realize that movie took place on that era yes I think it's like pre it's I mean it's also like New Orleans right so that's the other thing is that the audience will learn (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with the featured film also obsessed with the occult <laughs> so oh, <okay. laughs> like occult and creepy things are like my thing hell yeah oh my god this cat she's just like refusing <laughs> like I'm going to cling to every single part of you Aww. okay <laughs> Wait, I think it's like late late 20s is I think when it takes place okay I had no idea that that movie came out during the period of time that I was very anti-Disney but I don't know why I'm saying was because I still am yeah. but, but it, <laughs> it occurred after that point had started <laughs> so I just understandable <laughs> yeah I, I would like to see it though because yeah it was a big fucking deal that there was finally a black Disney princess and now she's getting her own ride they're taking Splash Mountain and making it her ride oh that will require them to like hire some consultants to not be offensive because it would be really easy for them to fuck that up it's supposed to open next year so we'll see how that goes because <laughs> <laughs> when I went a couple months ago it was still splash mountain so i think i have faith but it's also disney so we'll see yeah we'll see they've been doing better they've been doing better about like hiring legit people like there was uh i know miss marvel they like actually cast a is it she pakistani a pakistani actress as a pakistani lead because i heard they were making a series and it's like oh my god they're gonna cast like a white woman aren't they or like a white woman with a tan or something Um, i'm not gonna lie you said miss marvel and my brain went Mrs. Maisel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've not seen that show. So that's a good question. But yes, Ms. Marvel, I believe she is Pakistani. Yeah. I read the first comic book, but I haven't seen oh, the show nice. yet, but I want to. It's I really good. More to comics. That's good. I will take that as a, a nod to start reading more com- that comic specifically. <laughs> it's so good. You would absolutely, I'm, <laughs> I'm positive you would like it, that one. I, I do like comics, but most of them, I, I fun fact, I am obsessed with like webtoons. Mm. I am a big Lore Olympus stan. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm-mm. It's like a retelling of the story of Persephone and Hades. Oh. I'm sure there's at least one listener who knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I have a lot of comics that I read. They're just not physical. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Those are legit too. Yeah. Highly suggest. Nice. At that point, after you saw The Princess and the Frog, like what was your overall sort of perception of the movie experience? Where I'm from, I'm originally from like the Palm Springs area, Eastern Coachella Valley. So we have a scant spattering of movie theaters and there were certain movie theaters that you didn't go to and there's certain theaters that were like preferred. So the one that we would go to, it was like a hassle to get to because it was like 30 minutes from where we lived because it was like the nice theater. There was also like the dollar theater where you would go to see movies that were like past their like premiere time for like half the price. So generally the movies that we would go to like people had already seen and I've always been this way I'm always late to the game I'm always like oh my god have you seen this and people are like two weeks haven't already (laughs) having already seen it I'm better about it now because I'm all up in the internet and the internet has made those sort of things like accessible right yeah and like discourse is so accessible which has been a lifesaver for me Uh, (laughs) um, socially at least and so I think at that point all that I was seeing anyway was like animated movies and like Harry Potter films, huge into like Pirates of the Caribbean also. I think it was less about the theater experience and more about the media itself. I don't know if that makes sense or answers the question. Looking back though, I'm like, wow, we really just refused to go to the movies if it wasn't at a very specific one. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always been that way too. Depends on yeah a lot of factors. And I fucking love the theaters where you get to go and it's like cheap. Yes. I don't care if the movie's old, like it's cheap and it's the <laughs> theater. $5? Yeah. Thank you. Hell it's yeah. $20 now. Love Movies it. cost an arm and a leg to see now these days. <laughs> I know. Bananas. I really wish that they had kept the access the accessibility that they made for the pandemic where you could watch the movies that would have been in theaters at home that was so cool yes just keep that i'll pay i'll pay extra actually i'll pay extra to watch it at home yeah i will pay an extra five to ten dollars a month to be able to have a midnight release the same midnight release as somebody who's going to have them in theater experience fuck yeah because then i can just have my own popcorn not necessarily my own slushy but like a lacroix will do (laughs) yeah you can pause it for bathroom breaks. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> that I think is the, also the other thing I hate about the theater experience is just <laughs> bathroom anxiety is the best way to like put it. It's just like what excruciatingly important details that are so minute that actually they aren't really that important did I miss in the five minutes max that I've been gone. <laughs> yeah, totally. I consider that whenever, like when I'm choosing a movie theater to go to, I also consider like where are the bathrooms? How hard are they to get to? <laughs> Gotta have they an clean? entrance and an escape. yeah definitely (laughs) tell me our next question is tell me one of your favorite movies of all time and why not including the one that we're discussing for our feature film yeah so pretty much secondary to our feature film of like favorite movie of all time is Chicago oh nice I have such an obsession with that movie and I probably saw it like way too young. There's no way I was like older than fifth grade uh, when that movie came out. I remember going to the theater. It was like me and my mom and then my cousin and my aunt because they were like, oh, it's a girl's night. We'll take the girls out to see a movie. This is like a musical. It looks great. They both (laughs) love the 20s. Like, God, like this is the perfect movie. Granted, within the first 10 minutes within the first musical number there is a pretty not graphic but intense implied sex scene and then like my brain was just like it's it's amazing I actually tweeted pretty recently that the reason I think that I'm obsessed with like true crime musicals and like am gay is because I saw Chicago too young (laughs) (laughs) that and the movie that we'll be talking about later (laughs) the obsession with a black and red palette yeah that movie movie specifically (laughs) yeah I also love that movie and I think I was also fifth grade and I saw it with my mom for me I wasn't too I had already seen too much at that point (laughs) including like Blade Runner (laughs) I'd seen more violent and more sexual films so when I saw it didn't even like register it to me as like oh uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think I was supposed to be watching this, but it's fine. Right. I think I also <laughs> probably had seen too much at that point. I still think I may have been a little too young to be seeing that. <laughs> yeah. F- fifth grade is probably a bit young considering like all the murder and the sex and murder, the sex, the murder, the sex. Yeah. <laughs> the, the jazz and the liquor, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing that stood out to me about that was it was definitely the first time that I had seen a film where murder was not framed as just bad like people who do it are justified (laughs) it's justified and you're like oh shit like not only is there nuance to why people kill sometimes but like also women can fight back like that yeah I was thinking if you go to my Instagram, there was a period of time where I was overly obsessed with my current D&D character. And she's <laughs> definitely like the, I do what I want and I hate men and it's justified. I'm like, oh man, I think that's what, where this is coming from. Oh yeah. <laughs> this obsession with this film. Cause I did watch it a lot last year. <laughs> it was one of those films where I was like, this is comfort. This is dopamine. We're, we're into this. We love it. Keep watching it. Totally. Is that your character? That's like the purple devil lady. Yes, she's a Fuck purple yeah. barbarian tiefling. Her name is Myra Batista. Hell yeah, she's so cool. I love your art. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I also love her. <laughs> I think I think we talked about this before, but I also have a tiefling character. She doesn't explicitly hate men. She just hates anyone who like enslaves other people. She's it's actually Pathfinder, and so her deity. Oh, okay. She's basically a social justice warrior. Like her deity oh, is man. like the 
Milani, the goddess of justice and like freedom. <laughs> so yeah. So the camp, I don't, I'm not going to go too deep into like what the campaign is about, but it's definitely a campaign where all of us, not all of us are evil. Some of us are, mm. we're all chaotic to some point though. It's like watching a Robert Rodriguez film, but like if it was <laughs> fantasy, it's the most fun because it's also like based in modern day, but like if COVID weren't a thing, shout out to my DM because he's made it very, very fun. Oh, that's awesome. And you started running it over the pandemic? I started playing with this group last year, but pretty much a year ago exactly. And then this campaign started in like late November and apparently was supposed to end a lot sooner than it has. It's still <laughs> going. We will never forget about a forever Wednesday. <laughs> Is that just a really long session? We were on the same like day day for like, I think two months. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was just, I, I find myself having to justify it to people like quite often. It's just like the whole session would be like two hours because the group would be split. But basically like our four hours would equate to a four hour section of a day. Oh yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. There's just so much to do in a day, modern mm. days. Yeah. I, I, we realized recently in my current campaign that we've been playing this campaign for a year and we realized we've it's been like three days in the game. oh no <laughs> do you guys play consistently or is it like yeah a... we usually play every week but there's just so much <laughs> there's so much going on man <laughs> yeah so like there's obviously been weeks that we haven't played or the whole like in-game time is only supposed to be like seven days maybe a couple past that to like wrap some stuff up plot wise but yeah that that Wednesday was quite long quite quite long love it Love it. So many details. <laughs> I have a 20 page Google doc. If anybody's interested, hit me up. <laughs> Hell yeah. Love it. it turn it into a graphic novel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool. I'm here for that. So overall, how would you describe your relationship with movies? Casual, hobbyist, etc.? It's very like specific to the media, right? I consider myself a casual movie person. I once... <laughs> My friend said that I'm like a demisexual when it comes to film because I have to build an emotional connection <laughs> before I get myself to watch it. I love um, that. So I end up watching a lot of either like animated films or horror films because <laughs> that extreme emotional connection mm. is there or just like the appreciation of the like craft of animation, right? But yeah, I consider myself casual unless it's like specific media that I'm like, I know what this movie should be about and like my thoughts about it. I mean, yes. So it's like an emotional connection, right? Yeah. Where I'm like, we're going to watch this. The first, first, first trailer. I'm like, we're going to watch this when it comes out. And the other thing is like, I also have like ADHD. So it's just like really hard to convince myself to sit through a movie. Mm -hmm. So it's like part, I want to hyperfixate on this media that I know I already love. And then also I don't want to be fidgeting in my seat and like physically uncomfortable because I can't get myself to pay attention. Yeah, that's another reason that it's so great to watch movies at home. Like I'm, I mean, I'm the same way. Yes. Although I will say that's one thing I like about going to the theater is that it's the only way to force me to focus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, because like I we're have going to. to the theater, I will go. But there's also like then the convincing to have to deal with what comes with the theater. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But I did just hear recently about like the VIP experiences that they have at like. Yeah. Uh, is it Regal right that does it where you're I think just like that's Regal yeah in a big room by yourself and then the snacks are there and yeah. included in the price so yeah I, ha I have yet to experience it I'm very interested in experiencing it yeah I looked that up and the closest one to here was like somewhere in the Bay Area it was like it's interesting that like it could just be a matter of my friends and the guests that I choose but I feel like every guest I've had for the past year has said the same thing that they have a really hard time sitting and watching a movie and yet we all of us enjoy them and do and watch talk them about movies, yeah. and talk about them but it's hard to watch them it's it so makes funny. me wonder if it's like a symptom of like Hollywood and like the quality of film that's being produced or if it's just like truly like it's just hard to sit through a movie nowadays because of this is a hot take hot takes alert the fast-paced way the internet works right where everything yeah. is just so consumable within like under a minute yeah but yeah that's that is interesting it is very very hard but i also feel like a lot of movies could be shows yeah that's also been the consensus <laughs> amongst the guests <laughs> a lot of movies could just be shows i would rather yeah. sit through six hours of a better thing 
that's chopped up into 30 minute bits and instead of sitting through two hours of things filled with continuity and plot holes. Yeah, definitely if it's going to be superior. I like movies that are supposed to be movies and are like crafted well and then I would rather often see a movie than a show but if I want a show, I want a show. Like, I, I don't know. They're different to me but there are many movies that could be shows. Yes. I think the best example of that was is like Umbrella Academy. I hope they never make an Umbrella Academy movie because I don't think it would do it justice because of how many crazy things happen in that entire two seasons. And <laughs> stuff like that needs to remain shows. Definitely. This is the space where the ads go. Everybody, I'm Amber and I'm Maddie and, and we're, we're Witches Talking Tarot. Tarot and we've brought you a show all about the occult. We're talking different lores and mythology. Yes, creature features, cryptids, aliens, you name it, we'll cover it. Conspiracy theories. Absolutely. And pagan holidays and 100%. Practices. All eight of them. Yes. Spiritual living, you yeah. name it. That's right. We've got it for you. So if you want, come sit with us for a spell and let us make you laugh. We are witches talking tarot. Thanks, everybody. Hey, I'm Dash. And I'm Rosa. Have you ever wanted to listen to a podcast where two ding-dongs sift through the piles of trash that is on the website facebook.com in their psychic advice section to find you gold for your ears? Oh, God, I don't know if we've ever, ever did our podcast like that. (laughs) What? No, I forgot the word. I forgot a all right, let's try it again. Listen to Psychic Friends wherever you find podcasts. Oh, you're just going for the end. No, that was a joke. I think we should restart. Hey, I'm Dash. And I'm Rosa. And we host a podcast called Psychic Friends with a Z. It's not called with a Z. It's just spelled with it's a Z. Spelled with a, it's spelled with a Z. Hey, I'm Dash. And I'm Rosa. Why did you pause so long? Because I burped in my mouth a little. <laughs> hey, I'm Dash. And I'm Rosa. And we host a show called Psychic Friends. And that's spelled with a Z at the end of it. And with a, Rosa, would you tell them what the show is? Yeah, every week uh, we go on Psychic Advice Facebook, something you probably didn't even know existed, and go through and try to answer people's psychic advice questions. We do some of this with loving advice, some of this with hating advice, and there's a lot of laughs and weird segments along the way. The hating advice? <laughs> All right, well, yeah. Listen to Psychic Friends' new episodes... Thursdays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, wherever podcasts are found. Stick the landing with a good joke, Rosa. (laughs) No. You can't make me tell a joke on (laughs) command. That's so bad. So we are going to get into our feature film now, chosen by Adrian. The movie we're talking about today is an American Gothic horror film directed and produced by Francis Ford Coppola, based on a novel written by Bram Stoker in 1897. Bram Stoker used Transylvanian folklore and history to write the original story, and he chose the name Dracula after finding it in a Romanian book and thought that it meant devil in Romanian. It doesn't. (laughs) It does not. (laughs) The starring actress in this film, Winona Ryder, brought the script for this film to Francis Ford Coppola, and Francis was excited by its sensual elements and remembered the story as being one of his favorite stories from camp. Quote, from camp. Camp. I I read this somewhere, and it it just says, from camp, and I'm like, what camp? (laughs) It doesn't explain summer it. camp there's no asterisk there's no like number number yeah i assume camp. summer camp <laughs> nondescript sleepaway camp sleepaway camp <laughs> he remembered it from sleepaway camp too <laughs> this movie won three academy awards best costume design best sound editing and best makeup and it was also nominated for best art direction 
this movie is the first movie that Keanu Reeves did a bad British accent in. <laughs> it, you know what? It's believable enough. It's, in my opinion, it's fine. You're so distracted by everything else. It's yeah. fine. It really didn't stand out to me, but I've <laughs> see, I'm reading about it. I'm like, people can't shut up about it. <laughs> well, he's American. What do you want? <laughs> And it is the second movie that's been on this podcast that features Winona Ryder and an insane asylum in the same movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's also in Girl Interrupted. Oh, nice. We are talking today about Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. I am so obsessed with this movie. <laughs> and no one ever knows what I'm talking about whenever I bring it up. Yeah, it seems popular. Like I, when I mentioned online that we were doing this, like lots of people are like, oh my God, this movie. It's like a cult classic for sure. Yeah. Like it's pretty much split. I wouldn't say 50-50. It's probably like 90-10. <laughs> like people have either heard about it, love it and obsessed with it or have never heard about it and will probably never watch it after this mentioning. <laughs> but I'm here to convince everyone that this is probably the best vampire film of all time. <laughs> nice. Well, to start, tell me in your opinion, what are the most important things that happen in this movie? Right off the bat, the reason why he becomes a vampire, right? Dracula, Dracula himself, played by none other than Sirius Black himself, Gary Oldman. <laughs> I fell in love with Gary Oldman <laughs> from this movie. He basically renounces God to the Catholic Church because they won't bless his fiance's body because she commits sewer slide. This isn't TikTok, but I'm <laughs> that's okay. I like gonna it. use sewer slide anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically what happens is he's like this warlord fighting with the crusades for the church to protect Christianity, like bomb. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> and there is an enemy soldier. They send a, an arrow into the, his castle, convincing his fiance, who's also played by Winona Ryder, that he has been killed in battle. She is just so messed up about it she flings herself from the tower and because she commits suicide the catholic church won't bless her body and allow her into heaven so he renounces god because he basically slaughtered hundreds and hundreds of thousands of men for their sake and he curses the land and says i will come back in death and wreak havoc upon this world which i mean who wouldn't want their man to do that for them <laughs> pure romance right off the bat so that's pretty important. It's the whole reason the whole movie happens. Then we're transported like 200 years later, I believe, until like 1897, which is when the book originally takes place. And Jonathan Harker, played by our bad English accent having Keanu Reeves, who looks like a baby in this film. Yeah. He is so, so young. So cute. Very cute. Very baby-faced. Is a law clerk who is taking over for a different law clerk basically trying to finalize the purchase of a bunch of land in London by this Count Dracula. They have no idea also like what's happening, by the way. This is not, it's not canon lore fiction in 1897. Nobody knows who <laughs> Dracula is. Yeah. Other than he's just this old, old dude in Transylvania buying up a bunch of land. So he goes, is sent to Romania to finally, like just basically finalize all this paperwork and be like, are you sure you want to buy up all this land? Like, why are you buying up all this land? And Dracula is an old wrinkly raisin <laughs> of a count mm. <laughs> who has a very, very sexy Romanian, Romanian air quotes <laughs> accent. I don't care how wrinkly he is. It's very, <laughs> you're not looking, it's very attractive. <laughs> like your tweets on Twitter about what he looks like. The aforementioned tweets included. I can't eat my sandwich when Dracula's on screen cause he looks so gross. It's not the hair boobs so much as the silicon-looking powder face. And? This Georgia Washington elder just crawled across the wall like a Valentino Hulk couture spider, and Keanu thought it's a good time to write some letters. Why hasn't he texted the crisis line yet? Seems pretty crisis to me. Sandwich down. And? Wait a sec. Boobily bulbous head. Long flowing red robes. This Dracula was 100% the inspiration for the aliens in Mars Attacks. Ack, ack. I'm just like, yeah, that's Drax, <laughs> but he's sexy on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
so he finds a picture of Jonathan Harker's fiance, Mina Murray, who is played by Winona Ryder and is like, oh my God, that's my Elizabeth. Like, do you believe in destiny? This whole like beginning of the, <laughs> the downfall of what is the whole movie begins and his pursuit of Mina is basically the whole film. He's just trying to find love again. Yeah, that's the whole film. <laughs> there are other yes. things that happen, but that is the whole film. And then how does it end? It ends with Mina basically say, so Mina ends up falling in love with what is a rejuvenated Gary Oldman, his, his sexy version and his gray, his gray top hat and suit. He's put on a little lotion. Put on a little lotion, some <laughs> L'Oreal anti-aging cream. He talks with wolves. Like, how cool is that? Basically convinces her to fall in love with him while Jonathan is away. And there's also like hinted that she's kind of like knows who this guy is. Like she's had dreams about him, but like think of anything, he's kind of just been in her mind this whole time. Um, it's kind of both like he's been in her mind this whole time and maybe she is a reincarnation of Elizabeth. She basically is like, yeah, I would love to be a vampire too. And so at this point they are trying to kill Dracula. They're on to him and his misdeeds in London. And she is basically used as bait and they're trying to beat him back to Transylvania because as anyone who's familiar with like cryptid lore or like vampire lore like you need to have ancestral soil to be traveling around and safe I guess and be able to rejuvenate yourself mm -hmm. so in being attacked by these men it also includes Van Helsing played by Anthony Hopkins also another amazing performance by Mr. Hopkins he is able to escape get back Anthony Hopkins or sorry Van Helsing and Mina beat him there but they are able to like injure him pretty badly like sword through the heart and she like drags him in and like saves his soul in the room where he comes back to find Elizabeth dead when he comes back from war so it's like this whole like circle throwback to the very beginning of the film yeah and she technically is no longer a vampire because the correct term I believe that they use in like vampire the masquerade is like sire which mm -hmm. I kind of hate but um <laughs> the original vampire is like dead right so in vampire lore it's like you either die because you're already turned as a vampire or you just like lose your vampire powers oh it's like a toss-up when you're depending on like which piece of like media or fiction you're looking at I never realized that because yeah I was wondering why him being dead meant that she wasn't a vampire. I was like, isn't she still a vampire though? Where's that sequel? Yeah. I was like, where is the sequel where <laughs> Winona Ryder is now Dracula? Hell yeah. <laughs> you know what? That actually would be cool if it was like Camilla, like Car Carmilla, excuse me. Because Carmilla is a whole nother vampire plot where it's like a woman oh. as a vampire. Oh, cool. I think it's like the origin of like the seduction, like part of like vampirism. Mm. I could be wrong, but it's also very sapphic if I remember correctly. I love vampire fiction. <laughs> if it's not clear enough. But yeah, TLDR is a romance yes. film <laughs> with lots of blood. <laughs> yes, definitely a romance and very sensual, which yes. Francis said, when he was interested in the, the script, he was immediately like, hell yeah, this is so sensual. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm into that. I mean, in Pizza Coppola, so are we surprised? No. <laughs> what is what do you, what is your favorite part of the movie? Favorite scene? My favorite scene. <laughs> I actually tweeted about this very recently because it was very funny. After you asked me to be on this episode, I was seeing like stuff on Twitter about this film. Oh, random. Just like completely randomly, like by coincidence. Oh. And or the algorithm, the ever watching algorithm. It, I mean, it was somebody I followed, like they were watching it and they had oh, posted like a screenshot wow. of the very first time Jonathan encounters the brides. Mm, so the orgy. they posted a screenshot, which I'm, I'll share with you. <laughs> it's on my Twitter. I repeated okay. it. Three of them, like women, like kissing on him. It's a very sensual like sex scene. And they're obviously like preparing yeah. to eat him yeah. and suck his blood as vampires do. It's just a very... The sequence of events like leading up to that and then like when that scene is done, I don't know what it is other than maybe it's just a sex scene and I watched it too early as a kid. <laughs> it's just very beautiful and I don't know. This film is just very visually amazing. Like it won awards for it. Artistic direction, the costuming is amazing. Just like him, like Keanu Reeves like wandering through this castle after he's been told not to wander the castle. Very like Beauty and the Beast-esque, like the wandering through the East Wing, <laughs> finding all the stuff she's not supposed to find. Mm -hmm. And then happening into this room that's like draped in like beautiful fabrics and like he's hearing the voice 
of what I'm assuming is like there's it's supposed to be Mina, but it's not Mina. It's these vampire brides. They seduce him and they like I think the very specific scene is where they melt away his crucifix that mm-hmm. he's given to by one of like the Romani people that is like it's a person that he that ferries him to where he's meeting another carriage. Yeah. Because death travels fast. Um they melt away the crucifix and it's just like so cool to me. I'm just like, wow, that is really cool. That's really powerful. (laughs) Powerful imagery right there. I like saw this, saved the screenshot from Twitter and was like, I should have known I was maybe a little bit gay when like I both wanted to be Jonathan in this moment, but also all the brides. Oh yeah. (laughs) I saw your tweet about that and it was before I'd seen the movie. So I had no idea what it was from. Oh yeah. Now, you know, (laughs) now I know. (laughs) Yeah. That is probably like one of my favorite scenes. Um, That one. And then the whole interaction where Mina first meets Dracula in the streets of London, because she's just like, Mm -hmm. I'm married, fuck off. (laughs) And, but then she's just like, Oh, I'm sorry. I've been rude. You're right. Like, I'll show you where the cinemagraph is. Like, let's go see this movie. That those are probably my favorite two scenes. Nice. Tell me about the first time that you saw this movie. Where, with who? <laughs> what was your response then? And how has the response changed? So, like, leading back to what I was talking about earlier, I was way too young when I first watched this film. Mm. It came out a year before I was born. So I believe the first time I watched it, I was like five or four years old. Oh, dang. That is way too young. <laughs> My mom was would fast forward through like the sex scenes. Mm, and probably through the like, she probably would fast forward through the vomiting blood scene, I no, imagine. No, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> goodness. I would request to watch the blood movie. The blood movie. The reason the way I am, the, the reason I am the way I am is because of this movie. Um, <laughs> it all leads back to this very specific movie. And then I remember like, I think re-watching it years later as like a 19-year-old, like, I don't remember any of these sex scenes, especially the <laughs> one that's like in the garden in the maze. I was yeah. just like, what the hell? Yeah. I am the way I am because of this film. I, I love monster romances also for the, the taboo of it, right? But it's still like, he's a monster on the inside. Like, but I can fix him mentality. <laughs> I love it. Which you got that from like Beauty and the Beast was the same thing. So like, right. There's multiple, <laughs> multiple, multiple sources. stories. Yeah. I I'm a child of the 90s. What can I say? It's been ingrained in all the media I've watched. (laughs) So the first time you watched it, you watched it with your mom? Was it like the whole family or just your mom? I think it was like probably a whole family thing because we had the VHS and I feel like my grandparents bought the DVD so that like I had something to watch like when I would come home because I would stay with them when I came home from college. Mm. Like I feel like they bought the DVD specifically for me because if anyone was going to watch it, it was going to be me. That's so thoughtful. <laughs> right. And it's like, I didn't ask for this, but thank you. Yeah. But they're like, we remember something about her. Yes. <laughs> she's a freak. <laughs> but she's our freak. Yes. <laughs> That's nice. But yeah, I, I was way too young to be watching that movie. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so do you remember this? I wouldn't say, I almost wouldn't call this a horror movie in my opinion. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it really is like a romance with like some blood, but absolutely. that said for children, definitely scary. This but, is not a family friendly film. No. Do not let your kids watch this. But do you remember being scared at all? No, that's the thing. I, okay. So I watched horror. I don't know if this is like a thing with like Chicano families because it is a, it, maybe it's just my family, but like there's an, a, a weird kind of like underlying obsession with like showing your kids things that they shouldn't be watching and like scaring them like way too young. Oh yeah. And just like the trauma, but specifically with like, I think the things that come to mind are like Chucky, the ring. It's very much late nineties, early two thousands. Like if that's when you were growing up, <laughs> those were the things that you're family tried to scare you with Mm. though like there's not that my family likes horror movies per se but there was always that underlying like these things maybe exist and this is how we're going to keep you in line Mm. but we're not going to say if they do or don't oh so they're using horror movies the same way that cultures used to use like cryptid tales and folklore and all they did was turn me into a a cult and true crime obsessed little weirdo Fired. <laughs> yeah which I don't know did it ever work I don't know I'm sure there is always had that effect on some some kids you know yeah I think most kids are 
it, it works the way it's supposed to but there's always that like the reverse psychology right of things that are like not allowed mm. they're so desired I listened to many like supernatural and like paranormal true crime podcasts now <laughs> and I'm obsessed <laughs> with D&D who would have thought <laughs> oh yeah this is a very D&D movie I feel like like Curse of Stroud who give me Count Dracula <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think that's also like a common thing. I think a lot of people play Curse of Strahd in a way where they're trying to romance Strahd. Mm. But yeah, I'm going to stop talking about D&D specific things. <laughs> you don't get it. You don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I don't play a lot of D&D. I would love hearing about it. But yeah, I play mostly Pathfinder, but I still appreciate the references. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure many listeners will too. Gush and gush about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like it sounds like your response then has pretty much stayed the same or has, do you feel like it's changed at all? No, I think it's pretty much stayed the same. I mean, I also, so in addition to like the 1920s and 1930s, like era of art and like media period pieces, I guess you could say, Regency, the, the period of time, I guess, in between the end of the Civil War and the start of the 1900s, obviously all of the really gross, icky things aside with like the history of the United States, the portrayal of Regency era America and even like England is just so like over the top and romanticized it's like I just eat that shit up I'm like oh this is so good <laughs> like Pride and Prejudice is like one of those things I don't reread the book every year I know people who reread the book every year I rewatched the Kira Knightley movie every single year I will rewatch it because it's so good but that era specifically outside of like 1920s 1930s is like my favorite I think that also kind of feeds into that like appreciation because things like what is acceptable now is like very different back then right so there's just like the underlying like tension through the whole movie that's like you can't act on this but I know you will <laughs> and I think that's what keeps you watching is that there's this like building building tension they're going to give into these urges and I think that also coincides with like the themes of vampire lore is just like there are these urges that you're fighting as a vampire but also like trying to not out yourself mm which I think is very clear in nature and, yeah. and maybe another reason why I, I identify, not identify, maybe I do identify with it a little bit, <laughs> but I appreciate it so much. That, I think that's, I think that answers your question. Yeah. What yeah. was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> Response then to now. Oh yeah. Very, very much, much the, same. the same. And that also comes from like stuff that my mom watches too. Mm. Uh, I think one of her favorite movies is Gone with the Wind. So like the fall apple does not fall from the tree <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would definitely say this movie also has kind of that like soap feel like melodrama absolutely the melodrama is real in preparation for this episode i told audrey make say majesty oh it's fine you can say my doxed interesting. Uh, <laughs> they're gonna come to your door <laughs> all it takes <laughs> that like this movie is like the blueprint for interview with the vampire right i know is a very hot take but that movie did come out after Dracula, like a couple years later. And that movie is also filled with like a ton of melodrama. Also super homoerotic, <laughs> equally beautiful. I'm not aware if it won a ton of awards, but like another very, very good vampire film, but also should be the blueprint for every vampire film. And I know that is not the case. <sighs> Twilight, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Like I told you, so this is the third Dracula, or, or sorry, third vampire movie that I've seen. Mm -hmm. So I've seen Nosferatu mm -hmm. and then What We Do in the Shadows, which yes. is a comedy and it's excellent. And yes. then Let the Right One In was the Swedish film, which is one of my oh, favorite movies. I have not seen that one, but I remember wanting to watch it's it. It's very different, like very different and not sexy at all. It's mostly horror, right? Yeah, it's more horror. It's pretty gritty and yeah but very good I might still watch it yeah oh no I'd recommend it but just it's definitely a different genre different feel to it it is not that bitch genre yeah <laughs> it is the gritty kind although I would say there's still like a lot of it still brings up similar themes including like queer themes and such oh. but it is children so like yeah oh no it's not it's not sensual not sexy that, that is good yeah <laughs> I would hope not <laughs> right <laughs> Well, how would you say this movie has changed or affected your life? And we've kind of touched on that. But. Yeah. So I'm like self-diagnosed autistic, which like has its own like implications, right? With like the health system being just very inaccessible and like even just being diagnosed 
with autism is very expensive, very inaccessible. And then once you have that, you kind of like set yourself up for just hardship because of the assumptions of like what autism looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, and I think this is the reason why I was kind of like always late to like media trends. Just like, I don't know what is cool in the now, but now I do because of the internet. I'm a cool girl. (laughs) (laughs) I think that this was like one of my very first like deep dive hyper fixations, just always wanting to watch this movie over and over again, but also like being very sheltered my life is like a big hypoc like a hypocrisy it's just like I was very sheltered but also like allowed to watch things I probably should not be watching I just wanted so bad to be like a little goth emo girl and wasn't allowed to dress the way I wanted to dress to like listen to the music I wanted to listen or just like even just it's weird like I was and I wasn't I would want to pick out certain things and then like it was either my mom or my grandma taking me to go shopping right and they were just like oh well try these on like to humor me or like you don't look good like just you know classic body shaming like but just Mm -hmm. not outright about it with the good with the intention of like trying to keep you safe as a kid right um Mm -hmm. there's like a reason behind those things because of intergenerational bullshit but I definitely think had I had a little bit of freedom, I would have reached this like very late emo alternative punk phase that I'm going through now that I'm about to enter my 30s (laughs) a lot sooner I think that I would still have made friends with the people that I made friends with but I think I would have been a little bit less clueless I guess about some stuff but I think that this film in particular was like both a artistic and creative awakening but also weirdly a sexual awakening not that I was a child thinking about sex but also like as a 19 year old who like was not in like great relationships up until that point mm-hmm. like being like oh okay this is like the type of romance that I want and like re-watching this it's very like empowering but also like dramatic film I don't know it's like it's a multifaceted film there are very many ways it affected me but creatively speaking like as an artist like there are two types of aesthetics that I kind of fall into one being like this very whimsical cultural aesthetic that draws back to my Chicano heritage but then there's also like the very satisfying like grittiness that I do that I don't really post a lot of that it's very like monochromatic like black and white and red horror themed pictures nothing that would like concern a therapist it's just like (laughs) what's in my brain and it's like you want to get it onto paper Mm -hmm. and a lot of it does like fall back onto like D&D stuff but yeah I think creative creatively and artistically there's like this what's it called like a dichotomy of like beauty and horror in that movie similar to Dark Souls which I call beautiful torture (laughs) all of those (laughs) games are there is like this the beauty and frivolity of Regency era London and high society things with like the ugliness of being hunted for food as a human and like blood and then also just like the contrast of like mental illness and like the beginnings of the medical field and insane asylums is very very telling (laughs) when it comes to like how I like to see and consume art and media. And that's all, (laughs) all of that to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing, for sharing all that and for sharing this movie with me and sharing your passion for this movie with me. It's so good. (laughs) It's so, so good. (laughs) Before we get to plugs, is there any last words you want to say to convince anyone who's on the fence that they need to watch this film? It's hard. (laughs) If you need two hours to kill, it's only $3 on YouTube. (laughs) There it is. And it'll get you through what you need to get through. I think it's also a very easy film to watch in the background because the dialogue, it's narrated for, I feel like, a third of the film. Mm. So it's very easy to watch and not really need to see what's happening on the screen. That being said, it's a very beautiful film if you're not into vampires at least watch it for like that aspect and i myself am not into vampires but my note would be watch this movie if you want to see anthony hopkins as a famous vampire killer but he's basically columbo from the 1960s yes 
TV series. He is like the silliest version of Van Helsing that exists. And the Van Helsing so movie fun. that came out in like the 2000s is a very silly film. <laughs> oh, is it? Because I oh, want, yes. this made me want to check it out. I was like, this guy's fun. Have you watched any playthroughs of Resident Evil 8 Mm-mm. with Lady Dimitrescu? Oh, no. Our eight foot mommy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mommy. Yes, mommy. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's hard because you don't know what I'm talking about, but like. It's okay. Someone will. The Van Helsing film, it feels like that Resident Evil, where it's like mm. weird and fantastical. It's also the guy that plays Wolverine, Hugh Jackman. It's such a weird movie. It's so weird. Oh, I want to watch that now. It's very, very entertaining. Okay. I'm going to have to check that out. Dark and weird. I like it. <laughs> cool. Well, this has been a super fun and enticing discussion. Thank you so much for being on the show. And if people would like to learn more about you, check out your amazing art and any other projects you have, where can people find you? I have a lot going on. Hell yeah. Very, very busy person. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> I am on Instagram at, at Adsta. That's A-D-Z-C-A. On Twitter for my clips and retweets and <laughs> classically horny on May and retweets. <laughs> Unashamed. <laughs> it's at activist Adsta. And then I have a new project coming out literally in two days. It's August 15th. I don't know when this is going to get posted, but I have a podcast with my group of friends that I play DD with coming out on the 15th. It's yes. Goblins and Garages. And we, it is not clean cut whatsoever. It is not a family friendly show. It is a dumpster fire in the best way, but it's really funny listening back to the episode we'll finish and I'm like I don't remember anything that just happened but listening back I'm like I don't remember any of that but this is great these people are great yeah. not to toot my own horn but these people are great yeah, <laughs> yeah goblins and garages um it should be everywhere you can find a podcast like Spotify Apple I cannot wait to listen to that I'm excited yeah we're playing wild beyond the witch light for D&D players who are familiar with that adventure module and I play a half-elf ranger named Zeb. I'm very excited for that new project. Other than that, yeah, mostly most of the stuff you're going to find me is on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. And then sometimes on Twitch, but not as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm just adds guy everywhere. And definitely, definitely check Adrian out online. Her art is amazing. And she's being a little bit too modest, honestly. She's got like so many <laughs> cool projects. So much going on. So go follow her. Hard being confident in yourself. <laughs> I know. Well, thanks again for being on. This was wonderful. Absolutely. I'm so grateful to have been given this opportunity. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy to have you. Yeah. Thank you. And remember, everybody, bring your own popcorn. Absolutely. Stop recording. <laughs> all the murder and the sex and murder the sex the murder the sex all the murder the sex the murder the sex the murder